This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, May 12, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. The Iran nuclear deal was lambasted by our current president when he was a candidate, but the rhetoric surrounding the deal has changed. Cato scholars John Glazer and Ben Friedman argue that's evidence that the plan is working to lower the temperature with respect to Iran's activities in the region. President Trump told the AIPAC convention when he was campaigning that the first thing he would do as president would be to tear up the terrible deal with Iran. Obviously, it's not the first, second, or even the hundredth thing that he did as president. He has kept it. The State Department, Rex Tillerson, recently announced that they're doing a review of the deal. But uh, the criticism has sort of quieted or at least shifted. Now they complain about different things. Trump said recently, well, Iran's compliant but not complying with the spirit of the deal because they're still supporting terrorism. Secretary of State Tillerson said Iran is complying with the deal but the deal failed to stop them from their ambitions to get nuclear weapons. So the the terms of debate have shifted and in some ways I think that's a testament to the success of the deal in accomplishing its aim which is to control the nuclear weapons program. So the deal didn't do things that were not a part of the deal? Is that basically what they're saying? That's one of the primary tactics of the critics of, of Iran is um, to complain that the nuclear deal, which was a strict non-proliferation agreement, didn't cover things like support for terrorism or uh, meddling in Iraq or, or what have you. All right. Ballistic missiles are a big thing. The, the Iranians have continued ballistic missile tests, which is contrary to UN, a UN Security Council resolution. However, it wasn't covered by the deal. So you can say, well, we don't encourage that. It, it merits more discussions and concern, but it's, it's not a violation of the deal. But it's one of the things that people throw out there to try to uh, undermine, I think, support or uh, get rid of the deal. Do you, th- you think maybe the, the argument, uh, to put a nice face on it, is, well, look, we had the Iran nuclear deal. They signed the Iran nuclear deal. They are in compliance with the Iran nuclear deal, which gives them free reign to engage in all these other kinds of meddling. Well, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't restrict the United States or its allies who sanction Iran from sanctioning them for different things that they do that aren't covered by the deal. So we got rid of some sanctions, but it doesn't say we can't impose new sanctions in, in the face of violations of other uh, norms or agreements. Uh, and in fact, we still have sanctions on Iran with regard to other actions that, it's, that it has. One risk though that does exist uh, and the Senate I think is working on a sanctions bill against Iran that perhaps will be introduced in the next couple of weeks. The risk is that um, Iran, especially the hardliners in Iran, might perceive additional sanctions even on non-nuclear deal related things to be uh, a kind of violation of the spirit of the deal which was kind of a joining of interests and saying, OK, we're not going to – we're going to get off the path to to war uh, and uh, ease tensions. And so this could anger enough people in Iran that they start to feel pressure to violate the deal in some substantive way. It's important not to view Iran as a unitary actor. I think one of the accomplishments of the deal was to help the doves or the relative doves in Iran, the current president and his allies against the hardliners. Iran has an election next week where the hardliners are criticizing 
the deal and saying, well, we didn't get a good enough deal. And uh, the president is criticizing the hardliners and the Iranian Republican Guard for trying to undermine the deal for, among other things, doing ballistic missile tests. So there's sort of a funny sympathy between U.S. hawks who want to use Iranian behavior to get out of the deal and Iranian hawks who want to do things on the side of the deal to upset the United States to undermine the deal. So it's a strange uh, dynamic and indicative of the fact that I think in the United States, a lot of hawks sort of like conflict. They, they're frightened by the prospect of, of peace and not having somebody to wave threats at or wave our finger at. So is it, is it fair to say then that the Iran nuclear deal, as it has begun to play out, constrains the U.S. in applying sanctions? It constrains us from applying sanctions from things we said we wouldn't sanction them for anymore under the deal. Well, that's for, that's one thing. But in terms of if providing cover for Iranians to say, well, they're, they're clearly – they don't care about uh, this. Let's move ahead with uh, ripping up this deal because – So I'd say a couple of things. There is an argument to be made that it constrains us from imposing sanctions on non-nuclear related things in order to – sort of for the sake of the survival of the deal. But first of all, sanctions typically are about signaling to domestic audiences that we're doing something. They tend not to have terribly uh, effective uh, impact on the country that's targeted. Um, Secondly, there is threat inflation on Iran's other aspects, uh, not just the nuclear issue. There was threat inflation about the nuclear issue saying they're mad mullahs and don't respond to deterrence or mutually assured destruction and they're willing to use it on Israel or what have you. But there's also threat inflation with regard to their activities in the region. There's a lot of hawks that kind of adopt the Israeli or the Saudi talking points about opposition to Iran in the region and um, they're just not terribly threatening to the United States or its interests uh, and uh, we do well to kind of take it easy on the other aspects of Iran's activities. That said, there's never a good time to get into a, a more hostile situation with Iran or even a war but this is a particularly bad time. It's a particularly bad time because for better or worse, we're continuing to prosecute wars in Iraq and Syria where we're on the same side as the Iranians and even their Hezbollah proxies in Syria. And if we cease to be on the same side as the Iranians because we bomb them or something else, uh, that could be potentially very problematic for what we're trying to do in those places and Americans who are in the region. So it's worth noting that we have now stumbled into a cooperative circumstance with the Iranians in uh, their part of the world and uh, that's beneficial to the United States in a lot of ways and, and worth trying to preserve. What is the upside for compliance for the average uh, person in Iran? Well, the economic numbers in Iran have uh, improved quite a bit since the lifting of sanctions. Um, the growth rate in Iran, I think in 2016, was something like 6 or 7 percent. Um, inflation has been uh, cut dramatically from something like 40 percent in 2013 to, to about 8 percent now. Uh, unemployment has gone down. Uh, there is a problem with the extent to which this has trickled down to the ordinary Iranian. A lot of the growth is in the energy sector 
and it hasn't kind of uh, got dispersed as much as one would hope. But then again, there's only been a certain there's only been about a year since uh, the full implementation of the deal. So um, a little bit more patience sh- should should uh, should be at play here. This is the criticism of the deal in the Iranian debates in their election that it hasn't really delivered on what was promised in terms of economic growth. And it's also worth noting, I think, that economic growth in many ways is what hawks in the United States are worried about. The the, the fear is that Iran will become not impoverished and weak and thus might become a more threatening country. And I think that is a badly overblown threat. If you look at the Iranian military, uh, if you look at their capability to go places and do things, uh, conquest, it's very limited. It's the military there is coup-proofed in the sense that it's designed really to avoid a coup more than expeditionary warfare. They never invaded a country for all their bad behavior in the region. They've never invaded another country. They were attacked by Iraq. Uh, so it's, I think, not worth worrying too much about their economic uh, growth as a reason to oppose the deal. It's, it's probably a good thing that they're, they're a little better off and might improve their politics a bit. I think the main message for Congress and the Trump administration right now is that things are pretty good with the deal. Iran is complying. The threat of uh, development of nuclear weapons is off the table. Um, a lot of the concerns of the regional powers, including our allies, have been satiated. And so it's totally within our power whether or not this goes down a, a negative path where we rip up the deal or force them to abandon it and uh, tensions rise, or whether we continue with the deal and uh, improve relations overall. Yeah, and the test of it isn't if Iran uh, becomes a saintly country immediately overnight, which is sort of what the critics of the deal seem to be expecting, but rather is it better than it would be in the absence of the deal? And I think at this point in particular, even more than when we signed the deal, it's almost certainly the case that we're substantially better off with them uh, in the deal than out of it. Ben Friedman and John Glazer are foreign policy scholars at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.